my gosh. What did you do this weekend? We went to the fair last night and I saw a truck pull for the first time, which was very Cute. fun. Very fun. So so the trucks are pulling things. The or, trucks or things are being or things are pulling trucks. I thought it was things are pulling trucks, but turns out, plot twist, trucks are pulling things. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> it's in fact what a- what kind of things do they pull? Oh uh it kind of looks like my brain said escalator no the crane excavator it it looks like a crane (laughs) with wait hold on it (laughs) looks you know how a crane has like the box so that it can control okay so there's imagine a box Uh and then a long open uh crap, platform yeah platform uh, and inside uh-huh. there's weights and when uh-huh. the truck pulls it the weight pulls forward and it's supposed to slow the truck down but they have to like make it all the way across i don't, <laughs> yeah, I, don't <laughs> I don't think i explained that very well <laughs> okay so they're pulling weights basically but they're not pulling actual things it's a, it's a thing it's a huge Oh, it is a thing. So it's yeah. it's a power tool thing. Um Yeah. Yikes. Oh god. Do uh, they use it in construction? No. What do they use it for? Kirsten. Not this. <laughs> this. Like okay, so they're I not pulling to... like real life things. They're it just is pulling a... like but... things for the truck pull. Oh. Uh... <laughs> uh... Bear this with us, much. folks, while Kirsten reboots. <laughs> <Let> me... <laughs> Hold on, I have a video. Hold on. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Blair. And I'm Kirsten, and we are Mediocre Mediocre Content. Content. And it's another low week, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah, we're struggling, you guys. We're having the time. You know, it's just been a very busy couple of weeks with like work and then random crises. So, you know, you just, yeah, rolling with the punches, honestly. Um, honestly, yeah. I mean, it's just been like, it, have we checked if is Mercury in retrograde again? Like, what's, <laughs> I'll, what's I'll look the it up. plan? <laughs> Somebody needs to check because oh. I feel like we've just been going through it. Let's find out. Oh my gosh, I just thought of one, a two, a three. <laughs> two, three. Is that, that from Aristocats? That is from oh, what the is that from? Uh, Tootsie Pop commercial. Oh yeah, yeah. from the, uh, the owl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking um, geese from Aristocats for some reason. I don't know why. It says, uh, no, <laughs> something else must be bumming you out. <laughs> Great. Oh no. Thank you so much. Did you just type that into Google? <laughs> I did. And it's and Google was like, not today, friend. <laughs> not today. It says Mercury turns retrograde on the twenty third, so we're almost there. Okay. Um, so maybe okay. it's just like a pre a prelim round. Before, yeah, before we're assaulted. or maybe and is out of control. I mean, we're both in yeah. our 29th year, so that could be it. Honestly, it very well could be. Um, and you know what? At this point, I feel like we just have to uh, haphazardly embrace it. Yes, to the best of our ability. Yep. <laughs> embrace the suck but it is sucking quite a bit but the good news is we are one after today we are one away from finishing this uh, rather enormous solar series which is quite a feat for us i think 10 weeks of solar series (laughs) 10 Mm -hmm. yes indeed uh it's been a joy um so yeah we got uh earth today obviously and then if you're wondering uh excuse me that's all the planets i would say you are correct we're doing the sun next so so hold your horses we did the moon you got to do the sun because the sun technically is part of the solar system it is so i feel like that it's kind of vital yeah it's it's the it brings us all together i would say yeah the gravitational pull is strong with that one me and the sun 
close. Tight. <laughs> so tight. <laughs> well, you you definitely are though, because you're you're a Leo. I am. <clears throat> I am. Believe it or not. Those of you who have met me is probably like, wow. <laughs> Could not be a Leo. But or the opposite. They're like, wow, this explains so much. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I present as a Leo though. I really yeah. don't. I mean, unless you like I think to the people who are closest to me, mm. you absolutely see it. But mm-hmm. like, I don't, if you just meet me or don't know me that well, you would, yeah. I don't, wouldn't, my first guess would not be Leo. For that's her. fair. Oh, well, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. We want to disclaim. Yeah. yeah, I'll disclaim. So okay. um, let's see. So before we get started, obviously we're not experts on anything. If we know one thing, Kirsten gets her planet information from nasa so that's clearly not what we come to the table with um if you have come to the podcast to get any kind of advice we don't we don't give that here um but if you want to learn about things and you know maybe spark your interest in researching your own topics then please come and hang out with us also did you guys hear that p it was like it was perfect it was (laughs) perfect perfect I, I got a new mic so we're working we're working out some stuff so if i sound really like close to the microphone up uh, here like this it's it's because my other microphone i basically had to like touch it to get the right volume so now music to I, my ears i think i can be back a little more what do it you sounds think? good, <laughs> good. <laughs> i want you to eat the mic please <laughs> no <laughs> Delicious. so anyway so anyway, do your own research. Um, tell us when we're wrong. You guys know the drill by now if you've been listening for any amount of time. So indeed. And with that, got the good news. I know. I'm gonna take us <laughs> right into the good news. And this I think is my favorite good news <gasps> story so okay. far. I'm excited. Um, you are a fan of Mr. Rogers, which mm-hmm. I believe our entire generation grew up with Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. He put mm-hmm. me right to sleep for nap time. So I think <laughs> You know, he is an iconic role in my childhood for a lot of reasons. Indeed. Um, <clears throat> so it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Haven't you heard? Mr. Rogers uh, said so. And now his simple advice on how to be a good person has been backed up by sophisticated polling data. Oh, as part of the oh, as part of the Gallup National Health and Wellbeing Index saying hello to more than one neighbor has shown to correlate with greater self-perception of well-being. <laughs> Averaged across five dimensions that included career, communal, physical, oh. financial, social well-being, the increase. Wait, did, did I glitch out? No, no, no. I, you happening? said dimensions, and I was like dimensions, and I was like, oh, like. <laughs> Like you listed career, communal, physical, and I was like, we're yeah. in the fifth dimension. No, not not space time continuum <laughs> okay, dimensions. Sorry. We're not. It's not that crazy. <laughs> um, the the um. So across those dimensions, um, let's see the increase which greeting a neighbor had led to around a two point increase on a scale of one of zero to one hundred up until the sixth neighbor, at which point the further greetings had no measured impact. So if you say hello, five of your neighbors, you are increasing your health being. Nice. Congratulations. Congratulations. Be social, everybody. <laughs> or don't. No, okay. Interestingly, when the well-being scores are looked at individually and not averaged together, the sixth neighbor is where the perception of well-being in life peaks for social and communal well-being, but not financial well-being. Hmm. Um Perception of financial well-being kept on climbing and climbing only to cease at the 11th such greeting. Hmm. A profound revelation, repeated positive social interaction benefited perception of personal finance even more than personal sense of community. Men were more likely to greet their neighbors than women, as well as um, were people with under the age of 18 in the household and people with a household income of more than 120k a year wow individuals aged 40 to 65 were the most common greeters of neighbors which does not surprise me not at all um and 27 percent of the over 4,000 participants greeted five neighbors or more in a day wow um recent gallup research in partnership with med 
data have shown that the U.S. compares favorably with others around the world in social interaction. Notably, greeting neighbors is also linked to a to career well-being as well as physical, financial well-being. And the associations found among these latter three elements are more multifaceted in nature and could be reinforced in part through correlations found with social and community well-being. So basically, <clears throat> if you say hi to your neighbors and develop a relationship with them, you develop a sense of community and therefore you do better in your life. Nice. Congratulations. We are meant to be social creatures. <laughs> As introverted as I am as a person, I was shocked. I was shocked. <laughs> I was shocked. <laughs> Shook it. She had, she had no words. She- <laughs> that is so, super cute. Anyway. Though. Yeah. Oh, I mean, if you're ever wondering whether you should say hi to your neighbor, now self is interest in doing so, honestly. I wonder... Um- did they I'm so sorry if you said this already. Did they say mm-hmm. where they conducted this study again? Um no, it just was like a Gallup National Health and Wellbeing uh, okay. Index. Because I'm didn't sure say that's... like who it was. Might be regional also. I'm just curious yeah. where they decided to host it. But maybe it was like multiple different areas at once. Yeah. Well, that's super cute. I thought so. Yeah, it I mean it's in the US. But that doesn't really narrow it down too much. But like, <laughs> it's in the U.S. It's not other countries or anything. That's like saying it's in the universe. <laughs> right, right. Uh, that's um, awesome. So the second piece of good news I have. I love the name. Um, <clears throat> is about messages in a bottle. Um, Mrs. Cassidy Beach was recently the latest in a long chain of people to be walking along a beach or harbor and see a dark green bottle with a letter in it. Ooh, spooky. spooky. This one she she found on a beach in the, how do you say that, Kirsten? Archipelago. Archipelago. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Of the Turks and, and South Caicos Islands in the Caribbean, north of Haiti. Um, dated September 20th, 2004. It was adrift Mr. Pennell Ames, a commercial fisherman from Nantucket. Mm. Between 2000 and 2006, Ames threw of these bottles off his boat, Great South Channel. They have washed up and been found in Portugal, Spain, France, Ireland, Great Britain, Florida, and all over the Caribbean and the Canary Islands. Mm. 80 people have taken the time to remove the artificial corks and read the letter inside and write back. Oh my God. <laughs> Together with his wife, Sharon, and Sharon. their two daughters, <laughs> Pennell Ames perfected the techniques for per- preserving penned paper inside glass and have every once in a while pulling a strange letter out of the mail and reading where their bottles have arrived. <clears throat> he says you get your mail and you kind of know your bills and familiar people who send stuff to you um but then all of a sudden you get an envelope and you go oh wow i don't know that person that's a bottle letter that's so cool <laughs> yeah um yeah so letters from people who found bottles thrown by Pinnell ames courtesy of his ames um, sometimes they're in English, but often they're in Spanish, um, mm-hmm. owing to the Canary Current being, the, um, bringing their bottles down to countries like Cuba and the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. The currents of the Atlantic Ocean keep all of the bottles north of the equator, moving in big ocean gyre mm-hmm. in a clockwise motion around the North Atlantic. Cute. Yeah. So I guess in their Nantucket home, they have scrapbooks and photographs and postcards of all these letters that they've received um, from all these different people. They have a book that's like dedicated to letters from France alone. (laughs) Specifically. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, So this particular woman who found this letter was working to get data on harbor porpoises and dolphins so random um and so she wasn't too far from their house when she was doing this and so she went and like visited oh wow yeah so that's so cute i love that story yeah i obviously like like don't litter in the ocean (laughs) on purpose don't do that this is this is cool this is (laughs) cool cool. yeah and if it makes it somewhere super neat you might even get a response (laughs) 
which is right? so sticking cool. <laughs> Super cool. So, wow. Anyway, that is, and that's the good news for today. That was excellent good news. I see how that was, that was uh, tr- trending on your favorites there. That was pretty yes. decent. Really yeah. good. Thank Wholesome. you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I like, I, yeah. They were both very nice. They were very nice and not science related, which is new for us every now and then. <laughs> I know. I yeah. try my hardest. Let me tell you. <laughs> it's a challenge. Especially um, when we have a science related episode already. I'm like, I can't bore these people <laughs> with more science. Like we really need a little to mix it up a little bit. You do. You got to keep it, keep it fresh, you know? Fresh. <laughs> um, I am going to drop you guys into a little bit of science today. The good news is though, in addition to that good news, the additional good news is, um, Earth is pretty easy and honestly, we'll probably speed through it because we live here. So <laughs> we know Indeed a lot we about do. it. <laughs> Indeed we do. I'm hoping that I'll learn something about Earth that I don't know. Oh, right. okay. Challenge accepted. <laughs> as, uh, as scientists, I was also intrigued to know if there was anything in here I didn't know. So maybe you'll find something. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Okay. So... Let's start with the basics, I guess, as we do with all the other planets. This one certainly wouldn't be any different. Um, our planet is third from the sun. And the only place we know so far, hint, hint, wink, wink, that is inhabited by living beings. We don't know, really, that we, as we've discovered. Hint, hint to wink, wink. <laughs> I mean, honestly, how do we know? Uh, you can say what you want. There are tons of things <clears throat> that we've talked about in previous episodes where moons might be have the ability to provide life and water and things so sure. you know it's all relative sure um earth is only the fifth largest largest planet in the solar system and it is the only world in our solar system where liquid water is on the surface which again i love my water when it's liquid it's the I, best the blair is so happy with this one <laughs> yes thrilled i mean it's good in ice form too but like <laughs> other than is useless how do you feel about hydrogen being a gas with uh or a water how do you feel about i think that's fine states? i think that's fine okay how do we feel about I, helium I think gas being water helium yes. as a gas is fine helium water? as a gas is fine helium <laughs> in water i don't know i i don't know if i've encountered that so also- i like my atmosphere to be partly <laughs> nitrogen and just putting that out there i want raging gas storms <laughs> just burn <laughs> forever um but again i would like to caveat that whole oh it's the only liquid water on the surface there was a moon that we discussed that did have literal geysers coming out of it so again uh, relative um and it is just slightly larger uh than venus which we also know is kind of earth's twin we already went over that many millennia ago at this point And Earth is the biggest of the four planets that are closest to the sun, all of which are terrestrial. So that's just the planet type. Yes. Naming origins. It was given its name at least a thousand or the name Earth is at least a thousand years old. All the planets except for Earth were named after Greek and Roman gods and goddesses. So, so sorry, Blair. We have broken the streak. It's Sag time. All right. I'll I'll make an exception. <laughs> but it is a Germanic word and it just simply means the ground, which isn't very creative in my opinion. <laughs> but you know what? It's simple and yep. succinct and only one yep. syllable, so I think True. you know, the branding was on point. You know what? That's fair. Um we are over 9 million miles from the sun. Or I'm so sorry, 94 million, my apologies, or 151 million kilometers away from the sun. So we're still a pretty good distance, obviously yeah. not as far as Pluto. That would be insane. Um, it's one way light time is about eight minutes. So just so you know, as you're standing in the sun, that sun uh, had to take eight minutes to get to you. So, you so know. that sun is from eight minutes ago. That absolutely it is. <laughs> eight minutes ago son this is old son i want new son (laughs) i know i like honestly i'm getting burned by eight minute old son you are that's how powerful the sun is (laughs) i love that i love that for me so now every time you get a sunburn just think i was literally charred alive from eight minutes ago son eight minutes in the past (laughs) past son yep 
Um, obviously our year is 365 days, give or take, uh, because the length of one day is 23.9 hours. So you've been lied to. So technical. <laughs> hey, I'm just reading what NASA said. <laughs> um, nobody's put a ring on it, so we don't have any of those. Kind of sad. Um, but we do have a moon, which we've covered before. So I'll go into this very briefly. Uh, Earth is the only planet that has a single moon. So, you know, we're very loyal. Uh, our moon is the brightest and most familiar object in the night sky. And in many ways, the moon is responsible for making Earth such a great home because it stabilizes our planet's wobble, which has made the climate less variable over thousands of years. And the moon is an average of 238,000 miles away from Earth, which is 384,000 kilometers. And that means 30 Earth-sized planets could fit in between the Earth and the moon. It's a lot of Earths. Every time you talk about like the moon and like stabilizing <laughs> our environment, I always yeah. think of that Dwight Schrute quote where he's like, I wish I was a woman because women menstruate and that means they're more in tune with the phases of the moon. And I'm just like, that's obviously I paraphrased, but like obviously. that is, it just, it's so funny to me. It's perfect. I don't know why. It's, it's per literally perfect. Um. Something I did not know, which is fun and stupid because I feel like it's very obvious now that I've read it. Uh, Earth sometimes takes on uh, asteroids and large rocks in its orbit, just steals them from from the space. And for funsies. For funsies. Um, and they are typically trapped by Earth's gravity for a few months or years before returning to orbit around the sun. Some asteroids will be in a long, quote, dance with Earth as both then orbit the sun together. And I think that's kind of romantic. It is romantic. Earth needs a, a girlfriend. She do. She really do. Uh, some moons are bits of rock that are captured by planet's gravity, but our moon is likely the result of a collision from billions of years ago, which I think we touched on briefly when we discussed the moon in the first place. Uh, so when Earth was a young planet, a large chunk of rock smashed into it, displacing a portion of our Earth's interior. Uh, the resulting chunks clumped together to form the moon with a radius of just over a thousand miles or 1700 kilometers. And it is the fifth largest moon overall in the solar system. So that's cute. And that's we're not going to do much more on the moon because we already covered the moon. <laughs> yes. But what she looked like, though. So Earth has a radius of just under 4,000 miles uh, or 6,000 kilometers. Again, double it up, you get its diameter. Uh, as Earth orbits the sun, it completes one rotation every 23.9 hours, and it takes 365.25 days to complete one trip around the sun, and that's why we've integrated all these crazy things into our calendar. Poor February, really. Leap year. Yeah. Uh, it's sad. We, we did our best. <laughs> Um, and that extra quarter of a day presents the challenge. We decided February was going to take the hit for that. So Earth's axis of rotation is tilted 23.4 degrees with respect to the plane of Earth's orbit around the sun. And this, of course, causes our seasons in most parts of the world. During part of the year, the northern hemisphere is tilted toward the sun. Southern is away. With the sun higher in the sky, solar heating is greater in the north, producing summer there, naturally. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then, of course, the opposite is that less direct solar heating produces winter in the south. And then six months later, it just re reverses the whole thing. And that's seasons along the hemispheres. But of course, and that's, that's seasons. Different. And that's seasons. <laughs> and that's I just explained seasons. Exactly. Good job. <laughs> Science. <laughs> um, and of course, that's different in different parts of the world. And if you're at the equator, you just kind of sit there and and. Have nice weather all the time. Have nice weather, <laughs> yeah, And the occasional hurricane, I Absolutely. guess. Absolutely. And that's it. Yeah. Small things. Small things. Small things. Yeah. Um, Structure-wise, we're talking four main layers of the Earth. It's uh, got that inner core in the center, enveloped by, oh, the outer core, the mantle, and then the crust. And if you were any, you know, elementary school biology class, you probably had to make a model at some point. So that's- Earth science. Absolutely. Earth science. Yeah. <laughs> that's this. <laughs> 
Uh, the inner core is a solid sphere made of what they think is iron and nickel metals, which is about 759 miles in radius or just over uh, 1,000 kilometers. The temperature is as high as over 9,000 degrees Fahrenheit, 5,400 degrees Celsius. That's hot as crap. And surrounding the inner core is, of course, the outer core that is about 1,400 miles or 2,300 kilometers thick and also made of iron and nickel fluids. So instead of solid, it's fluid. Great. In between... <laughs> Great. So, so thrilled about that. <laughs> Um, in between the outer core and the crust is the mantle, which is the thickest layer. And this hot, viscous mixture of molten rock is about 1,800 miles or 2,900 kilometers thick and has the consistency of caramel, but I would not recommend eating it. Um, the outermost layer, the crust, goes about 19 miles or 30 kilometers, so significantly less deep. Uh, and at the bottom of the ocean, the crust is thinner and extends about three miles or five kilometers from the seafloor to the top of the mantle, which is horrifying for me to think about, but also explains why the potential for vents in the bottom. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, it's just, mm -hmm. it's hot. Okay. The surface, which we have one, aren't you thrilled? I currently live there. So yes, that would <laughs> so be <good>. thrilled. <laughs> Like Mars and Venus, Earth does, of course, have volcanoes, mountains, and valleys, and Earth's lithosphere, which includes the crust, most continental and oceanic, and the upper mantle is divided into huge plates that are constantly moving, or tectonic plates, if you want the official term. For example, the North American plate moves west over the Pacific Ocean Basin, roughly at a rate equal to the growth of our fingernails, which is pretty fast. I mean, yeah, depending on who you are, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Earthquakes result when these plates grind past one another, ride up over one another, collide to make mountains, or even split, uh, i.e. like the trench, like the Mariana Trench. It's oh, pulling yeah. away, which is causing that problem. Not okay. really a problem. It's just the plates. The Mariana's Trench freaks me out. I don't know it why. It should. It freaks me out. The Marianas Trench should freak you out, in my opinion, as much as like the Himalayas and like the like the biggest mountains are. You so know? this is this is the thing though. Mountains don't freak me out because we've been to the top of the you know what what's Fair. there. The Marianas Trench freaks me out because we don't know what's at the bottom of it. Mm. And it's um stressful like the bottom of the ocean freaks <laughs> me out for that same fair. reason like there's so much unknown in the ocean and the creatures look so weird as the deeper you get it's like way weirder <laughs> now just take that and imagine that same trip just like expanding indefinitely and now you've got like right it's a, a whole host <laughs> our personal Earth one crust which is yeah. super annoying <laughs> Super annoying. Get it together. Right. You're freaking me out. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> the Earth's ocean, which, as we know, covers about 70% of the planet's surface, has an average depth of about 2.5 miles or four kilometers and contains 97% of Earth's total water. Uh, which is why it freaks Blair out, because we can't see anything <laughs> below there. <laughs> it's correct. Horrifying. Almost all of Earth's volcanoes are even hidden under these oceans. Uh, I was talking about the vents, as we were talking as well. But also, you have the ones that come out of the water, such as Hawaii's Mauna Kea. I don't know. If Mauna Kea? I think uh, so. Volcano, which is taller from base to summit than Mount Everest. But because the Most majority of underwater, of it's underwater mm -hmm. you wouldn't know that because it's it's hidden, which That's I think very is scarier. Cool. <laughs> That's a very interesting fact. You love I love that. I well, I do. <laughs> I love mountains, yeah. and I think it's really cool to, especially the Hawaiian mountains are really True. cool because basically they were just sea volcanoes at one point and yep. they just got they just kept like layering on each other mm -hmm. until they got above sea level and then we were like hey we can live here and so that's what we did which and... is just a very human thing to do <laughs> right exactly oh this thing shoots molten lava that seemed bet that's the one <laughs> that seems like a great time mm -hmm. um so yeah that that was the fun fact i didn't know which is yeah. great 
that's cool. I didn't know that either. That's neat. So that means then that Earth's longest mountain range is also underwater at the bottom of the Arctic and Atlantic Oceans, and it is four times bigger than the Andes, Rockies, and Himalayas combined, which is insanity. Truly. But I have seen, um, you know, when they do those specials on like History Channel where they talk about the Titanic or like other shipwrecks and they always do that that topographical like overlay of what the ocean would look like without the water in it. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating because if you see any of those and you just see the topography of it, you're like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yep. <laughs> like everything's I mean, in the water. I would be like, obviously this would be detrimental to our environment, but like it would be so cool to be able to just drain the oceans and I see like is. what's all there and then put it back, you know. <laughs> and you're like, nobody die real quick. I'm going to just suck it out and then I'll put it right back. I probably Yeah. <laughs> like with a giant vacuum, like a giant I, space vacuum or something. I imagine you with the straw at the edge of the water just <laughs> doing your best. Right. I will see what's under there. <laughs> salty water. It's not good. So salty. Oh, mm-hmm. gosh. No. You'd be so dehydrated. Yeah. So my kidneys would be so upset with me. They would be like, girl, I know you have goals, but come on. Come on now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, We'll take a break from topography. We'll go to the atmosphere now. <laughs> okay. So near the surface, Earth has an atmosphere which is great for us if i had to say <laughs> um this atmosphere consists of 78% nitrogen 21% oxygen and 1% other gases which is great which is just like a whole smorgasbord argon co2 neon you name it it's there and the atmosphere affects uh earth's long-term climate and short-term local weather while also shielding us from lots of radiation coming from the sun and protecting us from meteoroids, uh, which just burn up in the atmosphere. And then we get to watch them perish in the atmosphere at night, <laughs> which is just oh, kind of sad. I know. You say it like that. It's kind of sad. It is. <laughs> Welcome to my atmosphere. You'll never leave it. <laughs> you will never leave. <laughs> so scary. That is terrifying. Oh, my God. Um, we also have a magnetosphere, which is exciting. Our planet's rapid rotation and molten nickel iron core give rise to a magnetic field, which the solar wind distorts into a teardrop shape in space. The solar wind is a stream of charged particles that just continuously get ejected from the sun. And when charged particles from the solar wind become trapped in Earth's magnetic field, they collide with air molecules above our planet's magnetic poles. These air molecules then begin to glow, causing the aurorae, or the northern and southern lights. So that's the only reason we we have them it's pretty stinking cool yes i think that would, that they're super cool yeah. before i've never seen them uh i don't think i've ever seen them before i think even here you might I, I don't know i've heard stories that in the upper united states you might be able to see some but i'm not 100 percent on that yeah i know canada and alaska you can yeah um but i don't think i've ever seen them uh, mm-hmm. at least i don't remember being up high enough to do that yeah Um, But the magnetic field is what causes even your compass needles to point to the North Pole, regardless of which way you turn, which is pretty nifty, if I do say so myself. Uh, But that magnetic polarity of Earth can change and flip the direction of the magnetic field, which I don't think a lot of people know, which can be a little disconcerting. Mm -hmm. Um, The geologic record tells scientists that a magnetic reversal takes place about every 400 thousand years on average but the timing is extremely irregular as far as we know such a magnetic reversal doesn't cause any harm to life on earth and the reversal is very unlikely to happen for at least another thousand years so don't freaking panic is what i'm saying right it's not a big deal (laughs) right uh but when it does happen compass needles are likely to point to many different directions for a couple centuries then switch uh then the switch will be made and after that they will all point south instead of north obviously because it's a reversal um makes sense yeah so we'll either change our compasses or know if it points south that that that's south now and something is wrong something (laughs) is deeply wrong i'm so confused (laughs) (laughs) um so now that we flipped you upside down i say we give you a little break sounds good this ad is an actual ad however we will still not be benefiting from this 
This is an ad for our Twitch stream. You can watch us do a live podcast every other Thursday. Come hang out and interact with us and maybe catch a Pokemon or two. And maybe, just maybe, learn something. But honestly, the chances are slim. Catch us on Twitch at 6 p.m. EST or 3 p.m. PST, or a different time in a different time zone that is not in the United States. We would love to chat with you and definitely let us know if you are an OG audio listener. Now back to the regular audio pre-recorded podcast. Cheers. Also, don't forget to rate us five stars. Okay, now back to the pod. Welcome back. Um, the next section, as you can probably deduce, uh, given the structure of the podcasts with the Solar Series, isn't going to be very long, honestly, because usually what we talk about is the potential for life, formation, and exploration, which is kind of funny <laughs> if we're talking about Earth in those categories. I mean, we know that we live here already, so it's fine. What? <laughs> Crazy. Shocking. So we'll just touch on it briefly. I have a couple of things to add um, that is a little out of the norm, uh, just because it's very specific to this case. So life on Earth is very hospitable in terms, mostly, uh, in terms of temperature and the mixture of chemicals that we have that, you know, made life abundant here. But most notably, which is something that everybody keeps going back to anytime they look into a new planet or a new moon, is water. And in particular, liquid water. So it's most unique to our planet in general. It's covered in it. And since the temperature allows liquid water to exist for extended periods of time, Earth's vast oceans then also provide convenient places for life to begin about 3.8 billion years ago and allow us to sustain, for the most part, pretty well, I would say. Yes. And so when we look at, you know, even Earth's twin, Venus, and we see that it also used to be that way. The question that we talked about even then is, well, how did it not get that way? <laughs> like, what right. happened? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so um, clearly in our minds and based on our research, that liquid water is the key. And so maintaining that and protecting that uh, is vital, literally, to life on Earth. So that's about that. Formation-wise, when the solar system settled into its current layout about 4.5 billion years ago, Earth formed when gravity pulled swirling gas and dust to become the third planet from the sun. Like its fellow terrestrial planets, Earth has a central core, rocky mantle, solid crust. That's pretty much it. <laughs> My first thought when you said that, I don't know why, I think it was just the way <laughs> that you said it, or how it's written, is um, the Powerpuff Girls like intro, where it was like... Um, it could be like Sugar. oxygen, hydrogen, <laughs> and carbon. <laughs> These are the ingredients to make the most habitable planet in the universe. <laughs> but humans accidentally <laughs> environmental <Ruined it>. stress, <laughs> chemical ass. <laughs> you know what? It's not too far off. No, <laughs> we need to do better. But anyway. You're right. It does sound like that. <laughs> Kinda. Hey, I didn't know I was a Powerpuff girl, but now I'm just going to own it. Yeah. Uh, The next part is hilarious because it's exploration. <laughs> and I just can't help but chuckle because like, uh, well, here we are. <laughs> it's made up of complex, interactive systems that create a constantly changing world that we are all striving to understand. Thanks, NASA. That's really beautiful. Thanks, NASA. <laughs> From the vantage point of space, um, we're able to observe our planet globally using sensitive instruments to understand the delicate balance among its oceans, air, land, and life. And those sensitive instruments are our satellites, our telescopes, our probes, pretty much anything that you can think of. We've got it to try and even better understand where we are and a lot of our data on even like seismic activity and um, weather patterns and how to predict certain things. And, oh, well, if the ocean is rising in temperature, what could we possibly see? And what kind of formulas create that? You know, it, it's just literally a constantly moving target, 
but we've True. gotten so good and the technology has also advanced so well that we are able to do that, which is good even outside of climate. Um, it helps a lot of people as well. Obviously, we live here. And so having those predictions is really useful, especially with like hurricane season, tornado season, you name it. Um, and that's all thanks to like weather and science. <laughs> so weather and science. Cool. Thank your local meteorologist yeah, for constantly <laughs> being wrong. <laughs> it's the only job you can be and still get paid. That's what my mom. That's said. right. <laughs> no, it's 100 percent true. Um. So in light of the fact that exploration is slightly, you know, laughable uh, when it comes to Earth, instead, what I've decided to focus on is, hey, we're kind of near the end of our solar series. If you have been really interested in this space adventure and you might be looking for ways to integrate yourself in a more spacey way, I've got a list of potential careers you might not have thought of and others that seem extremely obvious. <laughs> oh, this will be super fun. I'm excited. Yes, okay. I think it's cute, right? Mm -hmm. So the most notable and obvious, of course, is an astronaut. If you want to go into space and you want to pave the way for future human exploration outside of Earth, we've got pilots, scientists, engineers, teachers, so many different types of astronauts that are needed. And it's not just one field. It's just a cover for all of these people who use their knowledge and basis to fund and field these explorations. So yes, if you want to be hands-on in the most literal sense of the way, astronauts for you. Well, and I feel like we're entering an age too where becoming an astronaut is not as elusive as it once was. It's true. Um, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing has yet to be seen, but yeah. they're talking about sending a lot of different kinds of people to space if you have the dough for it. So, it's uh, so true. <laughs> you know, astronaut may not be an outrageous dream. It's very true. And also, uh, as we have discovered through our own talks in this series, there are also many planets and moons out there that we have anticipated flights to over the next couple of years so now's the time if you're in that realm and you're like wavering at all freaking just go for it it'll be like once literally once in a lifetime <laughs> coming from two people who would probably never want to be an astronaut <laughs> look i'm too claustrophobic for that i can't <laughs> i there's no way no i would there's no way anyway continue um <laughs> i would cry um project manager which you might not be like <laughs> nasa what? Yes, absolutely. Any business requires project managers, and these specific ones will help guide missions from concept to completion, working closely with the team uh, team members to accomplish what they set out to do, which is literally what a project manager is, but space-themed, and that's pretty dang cool. Indeed. Um, you could be Houston. You could literally. This is you Houston. You could be Houston. <laughs> yeah. You are Houston. And body. Houston. And you could be the one being told that there is a problem and it would be your job to fix it. So if you feel like you're ready for that. <laughs> if you feel like you want to take that on. <laughs> uh, yeah, now now nobody will ever be a project manager for NASA. No. I, I can't do Houston. Uh, rover camera operator, also kind of elusive, but super fun. That'd be super cool. Look, if you're into battle bots, this is like the ultimate <laughs> battle bot. Okay. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Oh my so, God. Basically, a camera payload uplink lead writes software and commands that tell rover what pictures to take is what you could do. You could design the rover, its functions, how it functions, when it functions, where it, wherever in the universe this rover lands. That's freaking amazing you are literal light years away from this thing and it still knows what to do and is actively communicating with you that's sick that's freaking sick yes i wonder what the delay time is now like the delay yeah um because like it'd be i'm like okay some guy in a room with a bunch <laughs> of buttons and yeah. he's like do it now like and then he's like pushing it Twenty minutes later, the robot's like chopping something hundred times because he can't like. Yeah, the delay is too much. But anyway, you never I know. Just, I feel 
be a very patient person for that. Probably so. Yeah. And probably like software inclined because you'll definitely need that. Yeah, sure. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also artists that are needed and uh, they meld science with design because what basically needs to happen is once we have something visual, we need to create large scale installations of this to show the public so people hang it in their bedrooms and go to museums and hype that crap up because you know what science needs? Funding. And so to do that, they need you on board, literally and figuratively. So these artists have a huge job to capsulate all of the research, all of the visuals, and display it in a very community-based way to receive (laughs) and support. Yes. And that goes well to, well, and I think artists could also be like design of the ships and stuff, like not the, but like, you know, the NASA logo and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, But that also goes really well with media specialist. It yes. sounds like, too, because obviously yeah. you need people to get hype about yep. NASA. Absolutely. And we're not just talking about aliens are real. We're talking about like full on discoveries of like life altering space things like to find yeah. like finding geysers on a moon somewhere near Jupiter. Like that's huge, you know? Yes. So, um, yeah, I would recommend also taking a visit to your local air and space museum. Yes. Please do that. And you'll find that a lot of the art and, you know, the the plaques and the information that are posted there, they're all, you know, for stuff that you know, but it might also have new installations every so often as this stuff becomes, you know, out and displayed in the public. And that's these beautiful people doing that. Yeah. Uh, writing and producing. So they capture the stories of NASA mass emissions and, of course, the people who share them. And there's already films and documentaries on these NASA flights. Um, and, you know, you get the interviews, you get the real, like, the, the keyed-in look to what these people are experiencing and, like, what it's like out there. And honestly, you're now potentially encouraging, you know, younger people or younger generations to explore this field seriously and that boosts support and that also boosts personnel and so on and so forth so you're getting the word out again just in a different way administration and direction is kind of important (laughs) i would say for missions this size so both directors and administrators work out of NASA headquarters and they prioritize science questions that are seeking to expand the frontiers of discovery. So basically, they kind of help decide what to focus on and what kind of questions we have and what we need answered and when and all of those great things. So if you have a mind for things like that and if you have a mind for asking questions that can be explored, that would be good for you. Obviously, education is huge, so we're introducing the younger generation to space, physics, any of these people to heighten their curiosity and get the knowledge out there to the public. Engineering is huge. (laughs) You got to have a ship to go on. So engineers help design and build all types of machines, and that includes the spacecraft itself. But it also goes to like the rovers and the probes and the satellites that go into functioning all of those things. Yep. And then, of course, a very basic but extremely important career path is just be a scientist. Pick a field that you're really interested in. It doesn't have to be space, but it could be astrophysics. It could be a volcanologist. It could be, you know... uh, figuring out the tidal system and different things that it tells us because that's still space, but it's also very science-based and it can help you discover other things that are obviously linked. Because if there's one thing I can say about this in whole series and science in general is almost a hundred percent of the time it's interconnected. Um, And they all talk to each other in one way, shape or form. So that's my, that's it. That's, (laughs) that's it. I like it. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. So join a science career. As you can see, Kirsten's very passionate about this. <laughs> uh, she yeah. was once a biology major. She was. In college. And she did graduate with a bio degree. Did. Um, and yeah. I think, you know, it's, it is important to learn about your sciences. Even if science is not really your thing, uh, there are very palatable 
to like yeah. learn. Yep. And museums are kind of cool. So I love museums. That's man. like my favorite way to learn about science and history. Yeah. Yep. And the thing is, science is so broad. So like I have my BS, but I also have an MS, which is a master of science and it's specific to marketing. So I'm a marketing scientist. We look at data and analytics and talk about how visuals impact users and, you know, how that translates to code and vice versa. And so it's literally in everything. And you can find pretty much any type of science you could think of that you might be interested in. And you just gotta, gotta discover it. You know, that's part of the fun. Yep. And Blair is a super scientist. She does human scientists. <laughs> so she got she got human science. Super science is a very <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. I'm I sorry. We, I I think we need to narrow it down. It is health science. It is super your least science. favorite class in high school. Health science. Okay. Uh, it's so necessary um, though. Oh, a thousand percent. I yeah. love health science. It's the best. And again, two scientists different fields completely somewhat interconnected because it all boils down to people and interactions and um, how all of that works. And it's beautiful. Yeah. And learning how to think critically and, Mm -hmm. you know, analyze data and yeah, you know, do things, learn from new information. Yeah. Science. Science. And so that is a soapbox. I want to leave them all on. <laughs> okay. Um, if you enjoyed the soapbox and if you're sad to see the solar series go after, you know, the next part where we just get boiled by the sun, you can let us know at uh, mediocrecontentpodcast@gmail.com. Uh, we are on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitch, all at Mediocre Content Podcast. And Twitch is every other Thursday, so it's twitch.tv backslash media for content podcast. And that's at, um, what is it, 3 p.m. Uh, PST, 6 p.m. EST, and 11 p.m. BST. I think that's right. Um, that's correct. And okay, if, if you're listening to this <laughs> podcast on the day that it comes out, then two days from now, we'll be on Twitch. Yes, I think, yes. Yes. I get states yes. messed up so bad. <laughs> I know, but um, I I feel yeah. safe in telling them that it'll be it'll be good. So and keep even an eye if out. We're not Instagram. Instagram will tell you guys like what's happening. So True. definitely, if nothing else, just follow us on Instagram, and we'll we'll keep you straight. Yeah. Um. Keep ourselves straight. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so Every confused. time I send out an Instagram message to announce Twitch, though, we have like. Uh, a ton of problems so maybe you just so won't just, know yeah right so just bear with us okay we're doing the best we can my internet is garbage too in case anyone cares or wants to know but it really is so we're doing our best and it's you know mediocre what? for a reason you know that's right that's literally what i was and also i say rate blair five stars wherever you listen to podcasts because of her you know her internet uh you help support us and uh keep us going that's right <laughs> Right. Uh, and that's about it. I guess I guess we'll see them next week or this Thursday if you check us out uh, on Yo Twitch. Indubitably. We'll see you guys later. Cheers. <laughs>